Good morning, church. My name's Carl. I'm one of the pastors here. I get to work with our college students. College students, where you at? Yeah, I love those guys. Hey, I just wanted to start out by saying, um, if you are a college student or of college age, um, whatever you might define that to be, some, of, some people stick around to like 24, 25, you know. But if you're of that age, maybe a tradesman, whatever, we would love for you to come join us Monday nights at 7. Uh, that, you know, young adulthood, college age is a really unique time. You're experiencing life in a new way. You are the person who runs your life. And I find that it's so important to have people in that season who know your heart, who have your back, and who are going to lead you to Jesus. So please come. We would love it if you join us. If you guys, you know, if you want to come join us on Monday nights, that's cool, too, if you want to come, you know. So there. Um, uh, we're just going to keep going in Acts. Would you guys pray with me as we get going? Father, Thank you, um, thank you, Lord, that we get to do this. I, uh, man, this life is so fast, so fast-paced. Um, even as the announcement video was going, I know I had a bunch of just priorities and thoughts and tasks and things to get to and mowing the lawn and raking. I had just all this stuff, and my mind just is going really fast, and but Lord, I thank you that we can have moments like this where we just get to take a deep breath and recognize you're God. And the people sitting in these chairs, we're all trying to seek you, Lord. And I just, I, I thank you, Lord, that in your word, it says those who seek will find. To those who knock, the door will be opened. And so, God, I, I just pray that um, for everyone in our personal pursuit of faith, I know that we all have just maybe roadblocks or things that we just feel stuck in. I, I pray, God, that you'd fill us with hope today, knowing that, um, that it's not on us, but actually, Lord, you invite us to cast our anxieties on you. And so, Lord, we just, as a church family, we just right now, bring to mind our anxieties, and we just cast them on you, Lord. Thank you that you're our good Father. Thank you that you, the unseen God, you move powerfully when we put our faith in you especially. And so, Lord, we just cast our anxieties on you. I pray that you'd bring us to the present moment, and you would help us to hear from your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak. And even as we go through your word, yes, Lord, teach us Sharpen our minds, and I also pray, Lord, that you'd fill our hearts with the fruit of the Spirit, with love and joy and peace, namely. Love and joy and peace this morning. And so, grow us, Lord. We love you. We look to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to be jumping right in where Chad left off. And if you, if you remember last week, Chad was talking about how Paul and Barnabas were visiting a synagogue in Antioch. And while they're at the synagogue, they're surrounded with Jews and, and um, Gentile converts to Judaism. And he was essentially running through highlights of scripture, history of the faith, and showing how it all pointed to Jesus, how it was all leading to him. And he kind of gives them like a really harsh ending, if you remember. He's like, don't let it be said of you that even though the message was to come through you, you would be blind to it. So like he's, he's warning them. And right at the end of that warning is where we pick up. 
And uh, just starting in verse 42, it says, um, um, after they had preached in the synagogue, as they were leaving, the people urged them to come back to speak about these matters the following Sabbath, which I thought was crazy. And after the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and the devout converts to Judaism actually followed Paul and Barnabas, looking to their teaching that week, who were speaking with them and they were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Now, let's pause for a moment. This, this phrase just jumps out to me that Paul and Barnabas, as they're spending time with these Jews or Jewish converts, the number one thing, the highlighted thing that they were teaching them was to continue in the grace of God. That is so vital, I think, for us as believers. But if you think about it, for these Jews and Jewish converts, they were at this time, as we can tell from the New Testament account from Paul, the Jews were experiencing a lot of legalism and perpetuating a lot of legalism, a lot of rules in order to be in relationship with God. A very works-based mindset. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Have you ever lived in that place in your head? Have you ever found yourself living in a very works-based place in order to have relationship with God? If so, Paul's encouragement is also for you. Continue in the grace of God. Now, I know that so many of us have been following Jesus for a long time. I've been following him for nine years. So, you know, I'm still not an adult in the faith. Many of you have been following him for a long time, but I don't know if you experience this, but one thing I've experienced is as I follow him longer, for some reason, it's easier for me to fall into legalism and like a works-based mindset in my relationship with the Lord. And I think it's so important that we're kind of aware of this, that we have like, we're constantly checking the pulse of our faith because we know that we're saved by Works. No, just kidding. (laughs) We're saved by grace through faith, right? Not by works. Grace through faith. Why would we ever depart from grace and move into works? What has saved us ultimately will be what sustains us, the grace of God, right? And I think it's so important that that we stay there, that we remain there. I know that it, it is so toxic, works-based, it's so toxic for our personal faith. It really separates us from God. It really allows this like shame and guilt to, to separate us and we're slower and slower to receive God's grace when we need it, when we, when we mess up and when we sin every day, right? <laughs> but also on, on top of that, it's also toxic for our relationships with other people. I think it, it makes us sit in a seat of judgment towards people, maybe even unbelievers, at least in my experience. And I don't know about you guys, like sometimes it's easy to kind of raise the bar for those who kind of, who come before, behind us, right? Specifically, I'm thinking about when I came to know the Lord nine years ago, I was not a holy man, (laughs) right? Like I was a sinner of sinners. I was just living in it. And I, the, the people who ministered to me, they talked to me about the love and grace of God. They weren't like, you need to do this and this and this, and then we'll talk. Actually, I was met 
completely in all of my sinfulness and all of my guilt with the grace of God. I was not a holy man. If people sat in judgment over me, I don't know if I would have been able to receive the gospel. I was in a very bad, like just even to paint the picture of how little we should judge people, especially who don't believe in Jesus. I sat in that seat right there and I was hung over one morning. Nine years ago, nine plus years ago, I was not living a holy life. And there is where the grace of God started to captivate me. Right there. And so we, as believers, we need to continue in the grace of God in our personal relationships, not just for our personal faith, but for the sake of those who come behind us so that we can lead them and disciple them in the grace of God. It starts with grace. That is the amazing beauty of God. And that is what we need to continue in every single day. Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm a sinner. I, I am a sinner of sinners. And it, it just, it kind of reminds me of this, um, this song I heard. Um, it's the lyrics, they say, I'm a sinner. If it's not one thing, it, it's another. <laughs> I get so caught up in words. I get tangled in lies. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. I am there every day fighting against lies in my head about myself, about God, about other people. And it is only by the grace of God that we're able to move through that. It is only by his daily grace. Don't let legalism or works-based mindsets keep you from receiving quickly the grace of God. Every single day, we need it. It is a fresh wind. Hey, did you know God is gracious? <laughs> did you know that he loves you? Do you know that he treats you like a father? So when you fall and you scrape your knee, whether you're one, two, nine, like he loves you and he wants to help you stand back up. God is gracious, church. You don't need to come in here just weighted down with the guilt of your sin. We can come before a holy God every moment of every day and say, Lord, I've sinned. I repent. I need your grace. And guess what? It's going to be his kindness that leads us to repentance. <laughs> his kindness. And so no legalism, no works-based mindset, no thanks. I was talking about this with some college guys um, earlier this week. Uh, three of them were meeting up in the, uh, I don't even know what you call it, the meeting room upstairs. <laughs> we were up there, we were reading, we were talking about the grace of God and how we need it every day. And one of the guys was just really honest. He's like, you know what, that's, that's hard for me. That's really difficult for me. And I, I can speak to the experience of guys, not to gals. I don't know about you guys, but it's, it's hard sometimes as a man to like admit that you're wrong or that you've messed up or that you've fallen short. It's, it's hard because like, the, like this college student said, he's like, I've, I have this mindset lately that kind of gets me through hard times. It's I'm a grown man. And I was like, yeah, no, there's, there's definitely a place for that. There's definitely a need for that kind of grit to work through hard times, but that should never come between our ability to get low before God and be like, Lord, I have fallen short, I have failed. I need your grace. And that doesn't have to be like this, oh, hard thing. It's like, Lord, thank you that you've given me grace. 
Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Fill me, God, with the fruit of your spirit. That's what it can be. That's what it looks like to be made alive. Those words we plaster on our walls. Not just sitting here on Sunday, whatever. Like we want to I want to be made alive, guys. I don't, I don't want religion. I don't want to trudge through life. I want a relationship with the living God that just bursts out of me. So let us continue in the grace of God. And so that, I digress. Um, the Jewish crowd, they're intrigued, right? Even though Paul gave them like a harsh warning, they're intrigued. They're like, come back next Sunday or whatever. They're like, come back and teach us. And on top of that, some of them were like following him that week, sitting under his teaching, asking him about the Lord, which I think is fascinating. And they asked for an encore. They, wrap, they really, really packed the place. We'll see that here. Verse 44, it says, the following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews, these, these same guys that followed Paul for a week, these same guys that were like, come back next Sunday. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul was saying, yelling over him while he was preaching. How awkward. And they even on top of that were insulting him. What a strange turn of events. Think about that. These Jews were like, come back, come back next Sunday. We'll invite the whole town. They invite the whole town. But then when they see the response of Gentiles and Jews alike, there begins to be this root of jealousy that grows up in them. They're jealous that somebody would come to hear about the gospel of Jesus, but they didn't get the same reaction for their Jewish tradition and Judaism. Isn't that so interesting that they were the ones who brought them there and yet they turned it around and they're the ones who, who turned against Paul. It's, it is crazy to me. What a change of heart. And it had me thinking, these guys, these, these Jewish believers, their allegiance was greater to Judaism than it was to Jesus or what Paul was teaching. Their allegiance to Judaism was so strong that it stomped out the gospel message that Paul was preaching to them. And it just had me thinking, what allegiances do we hold in our lives that take precedent over Jesus? Like what idols, what allegiances do we have that direct our decisions more than Jesus? It can be so many different things. It can be our plan for our life, who we want to be, how we want to be seen. It could be nationality. It could be politics. It could be anything. What allegiances do we have that stand above Jesus? Because that is what scripture would call idolatry. And here's the thing, guys. Like, when we have allegiances that stand over Jesus, we don't even realize what we're missing we don't even realize what we're missing in holding on to these allegiances. It's so clear in Jonah 2.8. It says, those who cling to worthless idols forsake God's love for them. We, don't, we are missing out on the love of God when we have idols and allegiances that stack up above him. Have you ever struggled to believe that God loved you? 
Have you ever in a moment been like, I don't know, I, I really don't know. Have you not believed that? That for me usually means there is an allegiance or an idol in my life that I've placed above Jesus. That's what that, it's like, oh man, Lord, I, I'm recognizing I'm, I'm not confident in your love for me. I, I need to sift through this. God, what am I putting above you? What allegiances am I holding that I need to lay down before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? What is it, Lord? Anything that comes before Jesus is an idol and it will lead you astray. Every single thing. That's why we need to hold to Jesus in the grace of God. Right? Remember that song, I'm a sinner. If it's not one thing, it's another caught up in words, tangled in lies. We need his grace every day. That is how we experience life made alive in the love of God. That every day we come to him, repent in joy and walk in the newness of life. And so they get upset. They're yelling at Paul. They're even insulting him personally. What a dig. And what is Paul's response to this change of heart? He says in verse 46, Paul and Barnabas boldly replied, guys, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, you Jews first, since you reject and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Now we are turning to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, this last little chunk right there, that's out of the book of Isaiah. It says, I have made for you a light. I've made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Any of you familiar with Isaiah, the prophet? A lot of the messianic prophecies come out of Isaiah, speaking about Jesus, prophesying about who Jesus is. And here is given the place for Jews, for God's chosen people. God made them to be a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to everybody. That was the purpose for the Jews and they were missing it. They were missing it. So when I think about this as Paul, Paul's ministry is what started the early church, right? He traveled all around. He planted so many different churches in Ephesus, in Rome, all these places. Now, one thing that I've seen as I read through those epistles again and again, when, when Paul talks about salvation, he says, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, right? Does that sound familiar? First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The salvation was first to God's people and then to the Gentile. Now, Paul here, trying to minister the gospel of grace to these Jews, they start to receive it, but then they dig their heels in and they insult him. They publicly come against him. I would be like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to preach the gospel to them anymore. They're causing a lot of trouble. It's really hard. It's, it's really hard when they're like literally coming against me. And if you read through the, the epistles and Acts, a lot of times the Jews were the ones that came between Paul and the gospel being spread, which is crazy. At that point, I would have given up. But here's the reality. Paul was a Jew. And I think it's beautiful how he didn't give up on his people. No matter where he went, he never gave up. He preached the gospel of salvation first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. 
it just had me thinking, do I, do we ever give up on our people? Do you ever give up on your people? What I mean by that is the people that you surround yourself with that don't know Jesus. Or that if you've given your life to the Lord later in life, the people who you used to hang out with all the time, have you given up on them knowing the Lord? I know that when I came to know the Lord here my freshman year, I literally removed myself from my friend group. And I was surrounded with believers here at church. And I think that, honestly, I think that was necessary for my faith. I think I needed that to be surrounded and nourished by a bunch of believers. But then later in my college days, I had some opportunities to go back and hang out with these guys and minister to them. And I just, if I, if I was around them, I didn't talk to them about church. If I was around them, I didn't even, I didn't even bring it up because I was like, you know what? I, I know what they're about. I ran with them and they're still about that, that sinful stuff. They're not going to receive the message. They're not going to receive the gospel. And in doing so, I made the decision for them. I robbed them of the dignity to choose. And I felt convicted about that ever since, that I gave up on my people when I came and I walked in the way of the Lord. We're not to give up on them. But here's the really sweet redemptive part about knowing Jesus, is he, he's always going to give us another chance. Now working in the college ministry, the people I connect with most and I have the most fruitful relationships with are those that were walking in the way that me and my friends did. Because I know what it's like. I walked with them. I know what they need when it comes to the gospel. And the same is true for everybody here. God has actually sent you to the people he has brought you from. He has sent you to your people because you know them. God has sent you to a specific group. And I'm, I'm sure like faces are popping into your mind right now even. And if you're like me, maybe you've already decided, ah, they won't receive the gospel. Ah, they won't receive that message. I, I kind of know where they're at. My encouragement to you is just out of love, don't rob anybody out of the dignity to choose. Just give them a chance. They might surprise you. And so, continuing on, verse 48 says, when the Gentiles heard this, that, the, that salvation had been extended past the Jews into all the world, when the Gentiles heard this, that salvation was for them, they rejoiced and they honored the word of the Lord. And get this, all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. What an interesting statement. This is kind of a theology building statement here. And what it's getting at is the doctrine of election, right? That essentially the best way to describe that, I think, is God knows and God chose. God knows who's going to believe and God chose who's going to believe. But as believers, we don't know. We don't know who God, know, who God chose. We don't 100% know. And so when it comes to this doctrine of God having an elect group of people, it can either be really encouraging and empowering, or it can actually like kind of lead us astray, as many, many truths can do that, can be twisted. And so when it comes to getting sidetracked 
by this doctrine. I think I, I've seen it before in my own life and in lives of other believers and even just the history of the church. If we're sidetracked by the doctrine of election, it'll bring about this attitude that, oh, you know what? God, he, he knows who's going to believe. He knows I don't have to do anything. I don't really have to like put that much effort into sharing the gospel. And that kind of like sucks the wind out of evangelism, something that Jesus actually calls us to do. And so that's, that's not it. But the way that this doctrine can be empowering for us is recognizing, you know what? Not everybody's going to believe in Jesus. Even when I try my darndest and my best, not everybody's going to receive the gospel message. God knows who will though. And that, that means that when I share the gospel, when I talk about Jesus, my goal is not results. My goal is actually to share out of love. My goal isn't to get them to like do what I want them, like, you know, transform, whatever. That's not my goal. My goal needs to be to share out of love. The best gospel presentations I've received in my life have always been out of love, never out of force. Has anybody ever been like kind of forced a little bit? Like that, that if anything, like stomps faith. That if anything is like, no, 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 no. You're robbing me of my dignity to choose in another way. <laughs> And so when we share the gospel, it's out of love for that person. And we can just take a deep breath and not put the burden of results on our shoulders. That doesn't, that doesn't keep us from continuing to share and continuing to love, even after years of people pushing away the gospel. But we can do it with like a lightness to be like, okay, Lord, I know that you're in control. I know that you know who's going to believe and you know who won't. I don't know that, and I also know that you're going to call, you are calling me to share the gospel, so I'm just going to do that in love. That's the place that we can find ourselves. Verse 49, the, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews, the ones that were jealous, they incited the prominent God-fearing women and the leading men of the city <clears throat> Excuse me. And they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they expelled them from their district. But Paul and Barnabas, they shook the dust off their feet against them, and they went on to Iconium. And so here, Paul and Barnabas sharing the gospel, being faithful to just share it out of love, it explodes in the region. And these Jews continue to get more and more jealous. They continue to get upset. And so they're like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to, tell on you <laughs> to the big bad boys and girls in the land. And they end up persecuting them and they kick them out. They boot them out. And I want us to see what Paul and Barnabas do. They shake the dust off their feet against them and they moved on to the next place God called them. Now, this isn't a new idea. Actually, when Jesus sends out the 72 um, in the gospels, when he sends them out to preach the gospel, he says, hey, if a city will receive you, enter in with joy, share the gospel, share about the kingdom. But if they won't receive you, shake the dust of your feet off at them. And essentially, this is a, this is a image that, that gets at two things. Number one, it's a, it's a warning. Like, man, if they won't receive the gospel, they're destined for destruction. I don't even want the dust of the feet, the dust of that city on my feet. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty harsh thing there that they're wiping the dust off of their feet at them. But also, second, and this is what I'd like you to key on, it's a relinquishing of responsibility. 
I think a lot of times we hold on to the responsibility of other people's decisions. And when we do that, like it puts us and them in a bad spot. I said it like a couple times already. It steals from them the dignity of making a decision, but also like it, it is this kind of forceful thing on our end to try to make someone do something. I think it kind of sucks the Holy Spirit's power out of being able to move in the interaction. That actually, I, you know, I think this is pretty common knowledge, but the Holy Spirit moves best when you move in the way of Jesus. <laughs> the Holy Spirit moves best when you move in the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what we're called into. And so we don't have to be burdened with the weight of other people's decisions. And it's really nuanced here because it doesn't mean we shouldn't really care about people who continue to stray from the Lord. Like we should still care out of love, but we can't like force them. And actually when we, when we hold on to this, when we, when we trust this, it actually frees us up to share the gospel in a really like light way where it's not as like weighty and hard on us when we're actually just inviting them to receive the gospel. And so I think we just have to kind of let go of the responsibility of other people's decisions. So Paul and Barnabas, they're kicked out, but a lot of people came to believe in Jesus. And so there's this new church that's formed there. We don't know how long Paul and Barnabas were with them while they were being persecuted, but it was a short amount of time. Listen to what the scripture says about them. After their leaders are booted out of town, the disciples there were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. What an interesting response. What an interesting response. It just got me thinking, like, if, if all the leaders are gone, right? Like, if the pastors were run out of town or put in prison, would we still meet as a church? Like, if we lost the building, right, would we still, like it says in Hebrews 10, 25, would we still not neglect to meet together? Would we still like get around God's word to learn the truth of God together? Would we encourage one another in Christ? Would we do that? Look at this response. Yes. Yes, we would. We, we should. We will. I think that, and I, I think we would all agree, there is so much more to faith than a building there's so much more to faith than a service on Sunday. There's so much more to faith than just a small group, right? We would all agree with that. And we get a glimpse of that more when we look at this verse. Even when they're persecuted, even when their leaders are kicked out of town, they probably didn't have a building to meet in. The disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit because they have received the gospel of grace. I see this verse as an invitation to us, as an invitation to us as believers that no matter our circumstances, because I know that there are a lot of hard things going on. One thing I've learned as I've just gotten older is life gets harder. <laughs> I know that there's so many circumstances that we can think of that we can bring to mind, but it is true that no matter what's going on in our life, we can be filled with joy in the Holy Spirit not a forced thing, not a fake thing. To me, that's an invitation if we're not experiencing that. That's an invitation, an open invitation from God to us as the church. I want to invite the band to come up. But another way to think about this is um, 
when I was in middle school, I remember I was, you know, like you're in that identity formation kind of age. Um, when I was in middle school, I remember thinking like, I want to, I want to be cool. <laughs> That's all I thought. Um, I want to, you know what? I really like the whole vibe that the skaters got going on. So I'm going to be like a skater kid. So I went, I bought a skateboard. I got like a hoodie. I got a big old snapback hat. I got skinny jeans. I still got skinny jeans. And I remember I would just start hanging out at the skate park that was by my house. I would sit there. We had these like these benches and um, we would just sit there and talk and a couple people would be skating, but everyone else would just be vibing, you know. Um, that's a, that just means hanging out. Um, <laughs> but they were just hanging out and I would talk with them and I, you know, I got pretty good at the lingo, like kick, flip, half pipe, grind the rail. Um, <laughs> and... I remember one day after a few months of doing this, one of the guys was like, all right, Carl, let's see what you got. And I was like, oh, you want me to skateboard? <laughs> so I bring my lightly used skateboard out to the center. I got a group of like 12 guys that have become my friends who are looking at me and I'm like, oh Lord, please help. <laughs> and I tried to do a kickflip and I, I, got hurt. Like I shot my board across the thing. I landed on my elbow and there's nothing more embarrassing than getting hurt in front of your friends when you're trying to impress them. And I just get up all sore and I was like, oh, this is so awkward. In that situation, I was a poser. I was, I was faking it. I wasn't doing the skater things that actually made them skaters. I wasn't skating. I was just wearing clothes and talking a lot. And when it comes to faith, God is inviting us to do Christian things, to pray to, and specifically guys, this is, this is where it is like every day to continue on in the grace of God. That's what he's inviting us into. These are the Christian things to talk with one another about, about Christ, about what's going on in our life, to pray for one another to not neglect to meet together even outside of Sunday, to really love one another sacrificially, to pray behind closed doors when nobody even knows and trust that God's gonna hear and God's gonna move. God is inviting us to live like Christ. And this is what we're invited into. This is an invitation one thing that was interesting about that situation I told you about when I fell and hit, hurt my elbow on the skateboard, one of the older guys came up to me and was like, hey, hey, Carl, here, let me show you something. And he began to teach me how to skateboard. And I ended up, I got pretty good at skateboarding. <laughs> but if I could receive a level of grace in a skate park <laughs> to learn how to skate, man, we can, we can experience a level of grace here in the church to learn how to walk as the body of Christ. We can experience that together. Man, I wanna, I wanna pray together. Would you, you wanna get coffee in the morning and pray? You wanna, oh, you know what? I wanna read Romans. You wanna get together and read Romans at my house? Whatever. But I just, I don't just want to like, do religion. I want relationship with Jesus. I want to be made alive. I don't know about you guys. But I have one encouragement for us as the body, maybe one step. And it, it comes out of Hebrews. It's something that's really been on my heart lately. It says in Hebrews 12, 25, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. 
See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God so that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. Man, I feel like roots of bitterness, that, that is a church problem. <laughs> that happens in churches that messes with the unity and our ability to be champions of the gospel of grace. And so my charge to you, brothers and sisters, is to see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That when you're talking with people, praying for people, pray in that direction. Move in that direction. May we be vassals of grace, God's grace. So would you guys pray with me? Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're a God of grace. The more I, I know you, the more in awe I am of how good you are, how you meet our every need. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to come to you quickly every day when we mess up, when we sin and receive grace with joy. And I pray that we would be filled with the fruit of the Spirit so that we might not abandon our people that you've called us to. Help us to love them well. Help us to be the embodiment of Jesus. May the gospel be quick to our lips, the love and grace of God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use this church powerfully in Winona, so that many may come to know and worship and praise your name. So Jesus, as your, as your friends, we ask that you would lead us and guide us as we live our lives week to week. May we glorify you. May we experience joy in being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.